Welcome to another edition of your financial editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and you can grab uh, uh, this edition uh, from today or a previous edition. It's had some good ones uh, so far this year. I've been really blessed to talk to some um, extremely smart and um, knowledgeable people. So, you know, we appreciate that. Uh, We have more of that coming up today, actually. We're going to be talking about some top stories that matter, a little bit of earnings data. We've got some economic data, a little bit of news from the Fed with the FOMC uh, minutes from their last meeting. And then joining me to talk about an extremely important subject that just does not get the attention that it really needs is uh, our deficit, our budget deficit here in the United States. So, uh, you know, it's 31.4, coming up on 31.5 trillion, trillion dollars. Uh, You've got this administration, um, as I like to say, spending like drunken sailors. The only problem with that is it's a uh, you, you know, it's a slight on the sailor because at least they spend their own money. You've got these guys walking around with our checkbook writing uh, checks for us and our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids. And uh, it's just not going to work. It's not sustainable. We're going to be talking with my guest, Mr. David Ditch. He's been on the program before as a policy analyst. He actually was a budget analyst for the Senate Budget Committee. So, you know, we're going to get the inside information as to what's going on with all of this spending, reckless spending, um, false spending. They say it's something the way they name it or the title of it. And, of course, it's just the opposite. So, you know, it's one of those things that we're really going to make sure we're talking truth and uh, we get the uh, the honest answer and the honest information, and that's all coming uh, in just a little bit. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to that. Um, as far as top stories, you know, one of the things it's really it, – it has been uh, talked about. It's going to continue to be talked about um, in, in, in more detail and just uh, more coverage – is artificial intelligence. We've been talking about it here for a long time. Um, There's obviously the good side to it, and there's the bad side to it. And I can tell you that there's a bad side to it because we actually heard this week from one of the developers of uh, and creators of uh, OpenAI, which is, if you haven't heard about ChatGPT, you will. And um, if you haven't, uh, again, it's Chat. GPT. You can look that up. And um, it's it's basically this artificial intelligence that uh, is providing people with uh, uh, answers to certain questions they have. It's written books. It's written screenplays. Um, it's obviously written a lot of high school and college papers, uh, from what I understand. And um, we heard this week from Sam Altman. Like I said, he's the uh, CEO of ChatGPT, um, well, the, the, uh, of the company OpenAI that created ChatGPT. And he said in a series of tweets that it's critical, was the word he used, for AI to be artificial intelligence, to be regulated uh, going forward until it can be better understood. So um, – He actually said that the world may not be that far away from potentially scary artificial intelligence. 
Uh, this is, like I said, extremely important. We've talked about it. The good side, of course, of artificial intelligence, in, in my mind, is some of the things that may uh, be done for quadriplegics and others. But there is also a very, very dark, sinister, and like he said, Mr. Altman, scary side to artificial intelligence, especially as you have the government involved in uh, artificial intelligence, a lot of private uh, companies as well, and not just our government, by the way, but governments around uh, the globe. But, um, you know, you, you, you worry, you hear some of these stories and some of these theories about weapon takeover. So if you have an artificial intelligence that is able to improve itself and actually um, outmaneuver, outthink the human on the other side that's, that, that built it for a certain reason, uh, you have these problems uh, potentially of, um, you know, mass weapon um, direction, if you will. And and really the worst period is transhumanism, which uh, unfortunately there are, as there always have been, but there are a lot of godless, soulless people in this world these days. And they can't come to grips with the fact that they have a, uh, a spirit and soul and that um, it, if in fact, is lived right while on this earth and believes um, in God— and, and does all the things as best they can and repents from their sins that they're going to have a better place to go to heaven. They don't believe that. So they're trying to figure out ways to live forever. And it could be hooked up to a computer. So I know this might sound far uh, you know, fetched and maybe you've never heard it before, but it's, it's reality. And uh, artificial intelligence definitely has to be handled, monitored and controlled as best as possible, just like Mr. Altman, the developer of it, said himself. So I don't think you get any better testimony than somebody who's making billions of dollars um, and is committed, you know, his life to this development, basically saying we have a scary and a serious problem here. Uh, maybe it's not immediate right in our face with the level they're at with artificial intelligence, but it's coming, period. We continue to see um, job cuts. Also, you know, you've got um, all sectors, all areas um, across the economy that have been announcing job cuts for the last year in particular. Uh, just this week, Ericsson said that they're going to cut around 1,400 jobs. Uh, that's the big telecommunications and equipment giant. They've got slowing demand for their 5G gear. Um, in our market and other markets. They're based in Sweden, by the way. Uh, the cuts are part of an effort uh, for the company that was announced to reduce costs by about $861 million by the end of this year. Um, and like I said, this is just one of the latest. We also heard from um, Facebook this week. Well, the parent company, uh, Meta, which is the the metaverse is another very scary thing. We'll talk about that in the future more as well. Um, but the meta, the parent company of Facebook, said that they're planning a fresh round of job cuts in their reorganization and downsizing effort. So, you know, last year they let 13 percent of their workforce go. That was 11,000 employees. Now they're talking about thousands more. Um 
And on top of that, like I said, it doesn't matter. It's not just technology or telecommunications. It's everywhere. The big consulting giant, McKinsey and Company, said that they're planning to cut 2,000 jobs. That's one of their biggest round of layoffs they've ever had. So what's interesting here is the move is expected to focus on uh, support staff, you know, more of the lower paid folks who don't have direct contact with clients of the company when it comes to consulting services. And the real bottom line is they're trying to preserve as much profit as possible for the partners at McKinsey. So you see McKinsey and Boston Consulting and all these others that, you know, again, in many ways and at uh, different times sold their soul uh, to um, really see what we're seeing now. And that is um, to work with uh, China and other countries uh, back in the 90s when it really got rolling um, to help them grow and benefit to our detriment. And like I said, we're seeing that now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so we have McKinsey, uh, you know, they they were talking that, you know, again, they're, they're going to hand out pink slips. There's never a good time for it. Obviously, the worst time, I think, is all the uh, companies we were mentioning back at Christmas. But there is no good time to get a pink slip. And big companies came out with earnings this week. Um, retailers in particular, Walmart. Walmart is worried about the consumer. You know, I mean, Walmart sells everything now from, you know, um, glue to groceries, right? I mean, they literally sell everything. You need a battery, okay? You can get a battery there for your car or for your remote. I mean, they sell everything, and they're worried, and they're very cautious going forward about the consumer. And this is after a lot of people that were shopping at higher uh, levels, if you will, spending more money, uh, you know, maybe like, I don't know who would go to a Target, but if somebody was shopping at Target versus Walmart, um, they start, you know, people have been dropping their um, their level of sophistication or fanciness, if you will, when it comes to shopping. They're not, they're not shy anymore about going into Walmart or Family Dollar or Dollar Tree or whatever it might be. I mean, they're scraping, right? They're really trying to get by. And I think with the CEO and others at Walmart pointing this out, saying that this inflation is just crushing people and that their balance sheets, along with the American consumer, is getting thinner and thinner, it's a serious issue. Walmart's the biggest retailer, right? Then you look at Home Depot. They came out with numbers this week. That's the biggest um, uh, home improvement uh, retailer. They're worried about things going forward in 2023 because people can't afford to do that extra home improvement because they're spending money on other things that literally are a necessity. So maybe they're not going to put the deck on. They're not going to put the new walkway in, um, you know, you name it. They're not going to do some painting or whatever it may be. So Home Depot was throwing up the yellow flag also, Home Depot said they're going to spend $1 billion more this year in compensation for their frontline hourly associates. So I think that's great. I mean, you know, I mean, they deserve it. They're working. They worked all through the virus. I don't agree with the government picking winners and losers. Why? Um, Home Depot and Walmart could stay open. These big box stores and others couldn't was 
made absolutely no sense. You're you're an idiot if you made that call, and you crushed literally businesses and jobs and families all together. You're an idiot. You had no right to do that, and um, now we're obviously proving that. Not that it needs to be proved, but if you're looking for it, the whole thing with the six feet of distancing and the stupid mask wearing and who could be open and who couldn't be is just all falling apart. Well, it's been falling apart since the beginning, but at least people are learning more about it now um, because these the, the media and these other companies and supposed uh, government officials who are supposed to know what they're doing and didn't um, are being called to the carpet. And I think that's great. And like I said, it doesn't matter if it's Walmart or Family Dollar or whatever. Uh, people are doing whatever they can to stretch their dollar, which is important. You know why? There was a the latest, just the latest report I saw this week. Uh, new calculations from Moody Analytics said that um, you know, with the cost of food, rent, gas, you name it, going higher and higher. The typical U.S. household needed to pay $395 more in January than it did one year earlier. $395. That was after it was already up in 20, uh, going up in 2021. So on top of January of 2021 high prices, then you put in another $395 For the typical, they didn't define, Moody's didn't define, at least not that I saw in the report, um, the typical household. But, you know, you can see, obviously, that's not sustainable. Where do people come up with an extra $395 a month? And that's just your typical goods and services. So... It's a bad uh, bad deal. You know, people are trying to spin that inflation is coming down. They're calling it disinflation. They're using all their words and stupid talking points. Um, They're way off the mark. Uh, People are hurting, supposedly, which is a lie, the people they say they care about the most. The hardworking men and women of this country. Taxpayers. Families. They're not trying to help them at all. They're driving them into the ground like a tomato steak, actually. So um, we'll continue to, to tell you what the numbers are. It, it's hurtful, you know, for everybody. It's all anybody's talking about. But we'll make sure that you know what the accurate numbers are. And um, it, when these types of reports come out, we'll share them with you and uh, and, and just kind of go from there. That, that's all we can do is stay informed. And that helps us to make, um, I think, wise decisions, not only the best decision, but um, decisions based on wisdom, because we really do understand uh, what's being done to us and to our country right now. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, some economic data and Fed news before we talk about that terrible budget. Mount Chihau is my Everest, and the Coosa is my now. Alabama's where I was born and raised. I think I'll stay a while. I thought learning a language would be too much work. Then I discovered Babbel. They make learning fun. J'aime Babel. Babbel's lessons only take 10 or 15 minutes. Quick and easy. 
And soon, you turn and realize, hey, I'm starting to speak another language. How'd that happen? My friend from Italy said my accent and pronunciation is perfect. It's because Babbel's lessons are designed by language teachers and voiced by real native speakers. Each lesson is like living in another country for 15 minutes. I love that there's all kinds of ways to learn. Babbel's podcast, your games, or videos. You can even join live classes with a language teacher. You learn words and phrases you actually use in real conversations. In three weeks, I was starting to speak in another language. So easy. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Live local, be local, listen local. 9.30 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and uh, grab a, uh, this uh, edition or a former edition um, that we've, we've got posted for you. You know, when we talked about, um, I mentioned before the break, economic data, uh, quite a bit came out this week. Um, not a whole lot of good news. I mean, there was some, but there was also uh, some things that really uh, are cautionary, if you will. You know, one of the things we talk about the United States all the time and, and obviously our domestic uh, economy and our domestic financial markets, but something that caught my eye. Um, earlier this week, I saw that Japan's manufacturing activity contracted at the fastest pace in 30 months in February. So it was a business survey. It came out. It's known as the uh, uh, Japan Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, PMI. It fell to a reading of 47.4 in February. Um, and um, that's not what we want to see. The reason for that, we're talking about the world's third largest economy. So the way it sets up now, when you look at the table, it's the United States of America's uh, largest economy out out front. Thank, thank the good Lord. Number two now, and could potentially be our downfall, is uh, China. Um, and uh, they're having their own problems, by the way. And then number three, you see Japan, um, and and they're below that 50 mark when they came in at 47.4 for this month. Um, factory output, new orders uh, decreased for an eighth straight month and faster than what they were decreasing in January. So, um, you know, we just want to keep an eye on all these things. Make sure that you uh, are aware, like I said, of what's going on, not just domestically, but around the world um, when it comes to certain issues. We also saw that uh, when we looked at the revised number, the first revision for uh, the fourth quarter GDP, um, our economy expanded at a slower than expected pace. So originally, the government came out and said, hey, you guys, the fourth quarter GDP number was 2.9%. And then they came out a couple of days ago and said, okay, we were wrong. We revised it. Now it's 2.7%. And we'll get um, another revision a month from now, and we'll see what that looks like. 
Um, so that will be watched um, very closely. We'll keep an eye on those revisions for you. Obviously, that is lagging data because we're back in the fourth quarter of 2022. Uh, we know things were slowing down going into this uh, new year when we flip the calendar. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what our Q1 numbers uh, end up being. I know one thing that's really hard and has been the last couple of weeks, and that's um, people trying to uh, get themselves into houses, whether they're new or used, because of mortgage rates going up. So um, mortgage applications uh, really took a dive um, last week. Um, the 30-year fixed mortgage rate, which is your, you know, kind of your go-to, um, increased. Again, it, it had increased the week before. So the week before, it went up to 6.39%. And then last week, it went up to 6.62%, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, when you looked at an average. And that's just really taking its toll. I mean, the Mortgage Bankers Association's deputy chief economist is saying that this time of the year is typically when purchase activity ramps up. But over the past two weeks, you know, rates have increased significantly, and that makes it hard on people, especially your first-time homebuyers. You know, your youngsters out there that um, are doing the right thing. They're working hard. Husband and wife are trying to get themselves um, the American dream where they're going to buy their castle and hopefully one day own it and not just uh, pay rent forever. And when you have these interest rate increases, you know, it, it can be a deal breaker. Interest rates go up a little bit, like I said, um, from one week over the other. You could be talking about 20, 30, 40, 80 bucks a month in difference when it comes to, uh, and of course it would depend on the size of, uh, size of the mortgage, it could be much higher than that. Uh, but that could be a deal breaker based on what, you know, incomes are. So uh, it's tough. And that's, uh, that's really a shame because this is laid at the feet of the Federal Reserve. And the Biden administration, the Biden administration for overspending, the Federal Reserve for printing too much money. And then on top of that, not reacting to increasing inflation, but instead deciding to tell people that it was transitory. Well, uh, that was a couple years ago. Um, you know, if you look up the definition of, uh, of transitory, that's not it. So and by the way, we got minutes from the last uh, Federal Reserve meeting Um People were pretty much on board that, yeah, we're going to raise interest rates a quarter of a percent, which is what they did. Um, you know, they're always looking for consensus at the Fed, which is dangerous. It's stupid. I love it when people stand up and talk the truth and vote against the uh, the consensus uh, just so they can all feel good and and, and nobody sticks out. Um, I love it when people are contrarians, if they're doing it for the right thing, if they're doing it for the wrong thing then, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a different story. But here's a perfect example of the Federal Reserve. So um, the minutes come out, and then everybody's getting interviewed. So the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, his name is Neil Kashkari, he said that we need to raise rates aggressively to put a ceiling on inflation. That's what he said. Well, back in June of 2021... Cal, uh, Kashkari was saying just the opposite thing. June 18th, 2021, he said he wants to keep U.S. central banks' uh, interest rates, their benchmark interest rates, near zero 
at least through the end of 2023. These people don't understand. We had inflation brewing already starting to go up by the middle of 2021. And he's saying he wants to keep interest rates at zero till the end of this year. And he was in 2021. And, and now all of a sudden, because of what we see, he gets interviewed and he's like, yeah, we need to keep raising interest rates and we need to make sure that we put a ceiling on inflation. It is laughable. And you have to laugh or you'll cry. You know, that's the sad part. Um, okay, the good news and not sad is that when we come back, we'll be uh, talking with my guest, Mr. David Ditch. It's not going to be a happy conversation as far as the topic because it's about our national debt. We're going to tackle it. Stay tuned. Spring break down in Panama City. It was 2000 and something. I don't remember a single bar that we.